0: What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm
1: Scorpio. And today we're going to talk about Raven Grimassi's book, The Witches Familiar, Spiritual Partnerships for Successful Magic. Now, in an earlier podcast, we talked about one of his other books. And I guess that's kind of a theme this year because we talked about Scott Cunningham again, and now we're talking about Raven Grimassi. But I think when you're dealing with really prolific writers, that it's a good idea to, you know, look at something else they wrote, not just, it's not just a one and done type of thing. So one of the reasons that we chose this book of his to talk about is that folks have reached out to us asking about working with familiars. So why not talk about a book that, you know, is really well written and goes into it? So that's why we chose it. So you're ready to just dive on in? Dive right into the introduction. Yeah. So I'm not going to read redo the bio again. It's in a previous podcast.
0: Yeah. Um, I, it's also in the book. So if you're reading along with us, it's like that before the introduction, there's a little, hey, this is what... Raven Grimasi does. Yeah. Sounds
1: good. So the intro, um, you know, I like to start with a quote. The material in this book is designed to enable you to deal with this this effectively and safely, but under no circumstances should you ever regard the protections and preparations as not being necessary. And I think that's something that is so key. We've talked about it. And to see it in a book, like whatever you do, whenever you start something new, you've got to ground, center, protect, all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So I like that he said that, and then of course, that's all I had for the intro. Really, that I was going to talk about chapter one. But something you wanted to say
0: about yeah? The so intro? It, the the intro starts with um, this story about this raven, Morgan. Morgan, um, which, eh, eh, it's a cute story. It's very fanciful. Okay. Um, eh, like I, but um, there's something that I do think needs to be mentioned really quick this book came out in okay. 2003 or at least my version came mm-hmm. out in 2003 and raven refers raven gramasi refers to the raven the animal as his totem or power animal and obviously in 2021 we are um, aware enough to know we don't we don't say totem that's not for us that's not right based in like traditional witchcraft practice that is absolutely indigenous and is not something that you should use unless you are part of that indigenous culture and that indigenous religion um i thought that was really weird to like happen in like the first page because i felt like in 2003 the the discourse was, like that early 2000s area, the discourse was, don't say totem, say spirit animal. And now we've moved into, also don't say spirit animal. So mm-hmm. it just was like a little jarring to me, and I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it. Don't, don't use totem, please. It's, it's not for us.
1: Well, here's the thing, and maybe I've just gotten so jaded, is that I expect this to happen. I talk to witches all the time that tell me, how they've appropriated somebody else's practice. Mm -hmm. But when I say to them, like, huh, is that really for you? Oh, yes. My teacher was very careful and they allowed me to learn. Mm -hmm. I don't want to knock anybody's teacher. But did they do it for free? Or did they charge you? Coming from a family that was very wary about the exchange of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, on my mother's side, my great-grandmother and my grandmother were Santeras. And, you know, there's always been this, be careful who you talk to because they will charge you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right? They will just say, oh, you've got something, something, something. I can take care of that. That's going to be $500. bucks." they are not all like that, obviously. But, you know, when this is your business as well as your spiritual practice, can you afford to turn people away? Yeah. Now, some people do. I do know some hoodoo practitioners that are like, um, no. Right? Not teaching you anything. I I really respect those people. You know? Absolutely. I think it's also why I don't share that much about some of the things I do. Because quite frankly, unless you are, like, some of my prayers are indigenous. Some of them are language native to Borinking. Why would I share all that? Like one, no one's going to understand what I'm saying. And two, I'm not teaching somebody that. Yeah. Unless somebody is a Puerto Rican and says to me, "You know what I don't really know and is not even like I am the supreme know-it-all." That's from one of my cousins who a literally bit. is um well, she has represented uh the Taíno nation at the UN and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's um yeah, I, people can come see, but I don't know that I, w- I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching it. Again, it's business for some people. Um, some people do feel that other people are called to it. And if we imagine that we have been reincarnated, like a lot of witches believe, then this could be, this could be native to you, to your spirit, if not your physical form in this lifetime thinking
0: about it i actually really liked the way that garth talked about it in our last episode because he mentioned Mm -hmm. you know yes this is my religion and this is what i learned and this is who i learned under and he plugged those people and said you know this is where i got my knowledge from but he was also very upfront about the fact that like the bone casting practice that he does is intuitive and that he wasn't on a podcast teaching like a closed practice to a bunch of random strangers like it was a very respectful discussion to be like yeah this is what I learned and this is who I learned from but Mm -hmm. I'm also doing this in a way that is respectful and understanding of what is appropriate for me to share and what isn't Um, and I think that's really like the take here is like especially like me Gemini the white lady addressing all of the white people that listen to the podcast it's not it's not don't do it it's don't then make it part of your personality Right. If you're going to go be taught right. by somebody of a closed culture, fine. But like then do not put on your Instagram that like ravens are my totem animal or like I do smudging or anything like that. Like keep that a little bit right. personal because it was a gift for someone to teach you that it, w- it was a gift from them. And it, it almost That's feels like to say it. performative otherwise if you're like, oh, yeah, I learned this and now everybody needs to know about it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's a great way to put it. It was a gift. that person taught you, it was a gift. And I think a lot of people do take those gifts and are very respectful with them. Yes. But there are some people that, that aren't, you know? And that's something that I think is... We need to work. We need to be better in the community. Yeah. To make sure that we're being very respectful of when we are incorporating somebody else's practice into our own. You know what's so funny? I think you said white. And this is totally off tangent, okay? I'm so, gonna make it come back, don't worry. Okay. So we both got vaccinated. We weren't together. No. We both we got were vaccinated. Yeah, we were separate. But um so they ask you your race, and then they're like your ethnic background. And it's so weird for me because like technically I'm white.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what I'm saying? But I never refer to myself as white to anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, and I You know, and I've, it's so funny because I've asked my parents in the past, like, how do you see yourselves? And my mom's like, I'm white. No, my mom, I don't even know if you've met my mom. You haven't met my mom. Not in person. But she is as white as you and she's got green eyes. And, you know, my father was a little bit darker than me, but he would say white because he said there was nothing else when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Like, that's what we knew. So it was just kind of weird because like on the, on the one hand, I have indigenous practices. On the other hand... I don't feel that I am the person to say that I'm a hundred percent indigenous because I'm not. So yeah. I never want to like give that vibe off, like, you know. So it's just such an interesting thing. Like even when you are not white and then asked, What are you? Well, I'm 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 Hispanic. I'm white? I'm like, you know, it's a very yeah. weird thing to even talk about because I know that they're collecting research or information for a different reason than a political one when you say I'm white and I'm non-white, right? In a political yes. r- realm, I'm not white, you know? But if I have to, I don't know. I don't know why that made me think of that just now, but...
0: Well, I think that? that that actually works really well into the next thing that I wanted to talk about because okay, we're talking about, you know, the, the different cultures and the different practices and, and the things that we as individuals who have been in whatever culture we're in relate to that. And mm-hmm. Gramassi mentions in the introduction and then he goes into it more in depth in chapter one about the difference, the different ways that different people have understood familiars. And he mm-hmm. talks specifically about um, there's a quote that I want to read because I wanted this system to be more in alignment with the craft. I relied upon pagan imagery rather than the common Kabbalistic images one finds in most grimoires that have been produced since the Middle Ages and this sounded really nice. You know, the, the sentence sounded good. I was like, "Oh yeah, we don't want to steal more things from the Kabbalah, you know, separating yourself from ceremonial magic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's, that's really not what he's doing. <laughs> he just took the seals that would have been in ceremonial magic or, you know, thus from Kabbalah, which is Jewish and pre-Christian or like proto-Christian Um, magic systems and he just put different pictures in the middle and wrote the latin in theban so it kind of like undermines a little bit of this conversation that he's trying to have where he's like oh this is witchcraft it's more like it's more like the the indigenous thought of like a spirit guide than it is this like kabbalistic thing this christian thing it's like it's not really dude you're using seals like looking at those seals stressed me out because i have actually seen the seals that, like, I've been on Tumblr a lot. People have posted the seals that they used to, like, summon Stolus, who is a demon. And I'm like, these are, there's a lot of similarity in these two things that I'm seeing. And I, I don't think that you're being upfront with everybody about what's going on here. <laughs> okay, I didn't take it that way. I know what you're saying. I think,
1: first of all, if we look at the way Wicca, let's just talk about Wicca, um you can't deny that it took a lot from ceremonial magic. I mean, that's really what it yes. is. Right. Is this idea of nature and then this idea of ceremonial magic and you kind of put them all together and you get Wicca. And it, that's like a really crude way of putting it. Yeah. Right. Early, early Wicca anyway. Right. So then I think about who he's studied from. He's studied from all the big people. Right. He's taught some of the big people. Um, I feel like, and I don't want to compare him to Gardner in any way, shape, or form, but there's still a little bit of that Gardner-esque feeling of putting together yes. witchcraft from a little bit of here right? A pinch of salt, a little bit of pepper. You have this, you have that, and together you make the seal. Um, it's scary to me anytime somebody uses anything Christian and calls it witchcraft, okay? Yeah. First of all, if it's in, if it's in your magic... It's because your magic has been colonized.
0: Yeah. I mean, I pure and
1: simple. Not no.
0: Not no. Santeria. Yes. Let's just
1: take Santeria, for for example, which is full of magic. Um, Santeria came about because the Christian slave owners, right,
0: mm-hmm. took
1: the enslaved people and the enslaved people had to learn to be good Christians. Yes. And they saw the reincarnation of their Yoruba gods in some of the saints. It became the religion of the saints. It's colonized. It's a colonized form of magic. The minute you start putting Christians in with African gods, it's colonized. And do I have a problem with that? Look, my family, that's what they did. And that's cool. And that's one of the reasons I could never get into it because... Don't put chocolate in my peanut butter. You're not going to put saints in there. You're not going to give me Christianity and call it witchcrafts. Because it ain't. I'm going
0: to say something that's going to make you upset. <laughs> oh, my God. Because that's a hill I'll die on. Go ahead. Um, I think Wicca is a colonizer's religion. Oh, it is. Okay, cool. I really thought you were going to get mad at that. So the problem oh, that no. I have here is that Grimasi, really, Grimasi to me, read like Crowley. Right. It was, like, not super organized. Mm. It's dense. It's a lot of, like, referencing older stuff. And it, it, this book, more than the last book, feels really, like, like, trying to tell me you're not doing, like, pseudo-Christian Kabbalistic practices that are now renamed as the craft. But, doing pseudo-Christian Kabbalistic practices that are now renamed as the craft, you know? And, like, even just looking at the way he structures this first chapter, according to ancient lore, no citation, no discussion, but then he's got a bunch of citations for the concept of a familiar in the Judeo-Christian practice, and he talks about Mm. the Judeo-Christian practice for, like, three and a half pages, So as much as you're trying to convince me, I mean, the modern, the modern familiar, like the church and the familiar spirit on page seven, the modern practice of familiar is like a paragraph at the end of this chapter. So it's sort of like, it feels disingenuous to be like, oh yeah, this is not Christian and we don't, I don't consider this, this is a craft practice and then spend the entire first chapter discussing specifically familiars in the middle ages. I
1: think he was trying to give us a distinction between what people believed familiars were and then what familiars actually are.
0: But the problem is, is that he, he doesn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, he goes too deep into into the, yeah, the Christian idea, the Christian yeah. church. It's
0: like the, there is really very little discussion of what familiars actually are. And it's a problem that I had throughout the book where I feel like he just kind of says, this is what you do and this is how it works. But the the stuff that should have happened at the beginning which is this is how I conceptualize this and this is how I work with it and this is what it means really didn't feel like it happened and and it's a lot I'm like turning the pages right now it's a it's like 10 full pages of which is in Christendom and if you want to tell me the difference you you have to tell me the difference there has to be two things that you're mm. talking about
1: Maybe I'm just jaded when it comes to reading these things that I just skim over the things that I just go, yeah, okay, whatever. And I go right to what it is I feel that I'm going to need or use at this point. Um, I think
0: absolutely, because we're coming at it from two very different contexts. Because, like, this is – when you were building your practice, that's what you did, right? You had, like, what, X number of books, and you had to be like, well, I'm going to take this, but this other stuff is stupid, whereas I – basically created my practice from scratch. So I never read any of these books. So now as a person with a coherent and like concise practice, I'm looking at these and being like, bruh, what are you doing? So I definitely don't think, I think that if I come at it from the context of a person who is building their craft at the moment, your mindset is a better mindset to be in to be like, okay, well, let's see what I can take from this, what is useful, what is real, what resonates. Um, But I do want to point these things out to people to be like, hey, it's weird.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think this is a book that a beginner should look at. This is not the first thing you should go Yeah, Because I think you do have to have in your mind what it is you're doing, who you are as a witch, before you even contemplate getting a familiar. Plus, you know, you... (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that, I guess, as we keep getting into it, but you can get into a lot of trouble trying to play with things if you don't really know what it is you're doing. And yeah. getting a familiar is one of them.
0: Which is why I feel so, weird about like telling people to use seals, right? Like I think you should have a really strong yeah. understanding of how that is supposed to work and what what summoning really entails before you're like, yeah, I'm just going to draw this seal on the ground and get myself a familiar. And I don't think he does enough yeah. discussion of like what that really means.
1: And we really should talk about what all the seals are that he mentions oh, in the book. It, yes, we should. Because some of them are just like, what the... Yeah. yeah.
0: So he gives us a notice before chapter two, which I hated because I felt like it was just him trying to, like, get rid of, like, responsibility. Where he's like, the in the following chapter appear the concepts of binding and controlling. But these are the old traditional magic terms for the purpose of this book refer uh, binding refers to connecting or housing in order to provide a physical base it does not mean Mm -hmm. imprison or hold captive control means to direct i understand what you're saying right i get that i that's a valuable note but when you then in the rest of the book use binding and controlling exclusively and do not pepper in those synonyms that notice it's like putting a sticky note in the book that says oh hey by the way i meant to write this you're not communicating your point clearly. And it really does read very traditional ceremonial magic. I'm summoning this creature and I'm binding it to me.
1: If that's the new definition, then I think that he should have written the notice differently. He should have said, instead of binding, I'm going to use the word connecting, because yes. we're not binding. We are connecting with the spirit. We're not controlling them. We are trying to direct them. So I'm going to use those terms. So for those yes. of you who know the words controlling and binding, you know, have in your mind that I'll be using the terms connecting and directing. I think that's what he should have done, instead of continuing to use that, because I agree with you. No, ma- no matter if you read the notice, or, you know, it's not going to stay in the back of your mind. We all know what binding and controlling mean, the definitions of those words. Yes. So by not, like you said, putting in those synonyms. Yeah. You're kind of like, I I don't know how people are really going to get the real message if you have a real message. Right. Um, then he, he talks about two methods to get an, um, a familiar, One is the natural affinity when you're called to an animal? And the other one is the journey quest where you go into deep meditation or a trance like state. And I think that's the part that worried me the most for people to read and to start because he says, you know, it's okay to have a couple of cocktails or use some other substance to go into a trance-like state. And I thought, oh, my God, people are going to, you know, drop acid and they're going to have these weird trips just to get a familiar and God knows what's going to happen. You know, I want to um, do that. <laughs> okay. You'll be doing that on your own by yourself. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not really going to do it, but it does sound super okay. cool. Yeah, no. I'm not interested I, in that. At I all. don't encourage anyone listening to podcasts to yeah. do that. Do not do it. Yeah. No. Although I did look at the the journey quest and go, should I record this? Should I record reading the journey quest so that that's like a thing that people have access to now and they can play it and like listen to it before bed? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, but you know what? If you
1: do that, I don't. I don't want to be responsible for what people might do. Uh, so the important thing is to create a link. He also says you, you, you create the link by creating a sigil, by transforming the name of your familiar into a sigil.
0: He also says that you might not even get the name. So how are you supposed to make the right. sigil if you don't get a name? Well, he's got names in the back mm-hmm. of the book that you can use as well,
1: like yeah. familiar names, which I find odd. I find a lot of things odd. <laughs> so anyway, so what he says is you go into this trance, you see what animal appears, mm-hmm. Right. And then you see if it will tell you its name. Yes. Um, And that's when a Genesis seal is made. He's really all about the seals. I mean, now that you you said that, I'm I'm talking about it. It's like, yeah, it's all about seals. So the Genesis seal is to the familiar what the human body is to the soul. That's what he said. And I I had a problem with that. Because the familiar has a, well, an animal has a soul. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Genesis seal, its it reminded me of Frankenstein. Genesis seal sustains the familiar within the material dimension. Yeah. So again, we're talking about taking something that's not in the material dimension and harnessing it somehow. I can't think of anything more horrible to do to a, a being than to harness it. And first of all, think that you really are going to control this thing. But second of all, why are you taking something that is alive right a sentient being even if it's not a material body and trying
0: to like trap it i don't know i agree with you completely i i mean first of all i just want to say like i find the organization to be confusing and unhelpful i didn't like the way that the choosing your familiar chapter was set up i wish that the journey quest was in an appendix like it's just a little bit hard to follow Mm. but also the way that this book talks about familiars feels really at odds with the way that I conceptualize familiars. And I think the way that a modern witch conceptualizes familiars. I think we've moved past the idea that spirits, that, that all spirits need to be like bound and controlled and like kept on a short leash. I feel like we've moved into a place where we can live and coexist with spirits in a more neutral um, and less oppressive and, and less colonizing kind of way. Um, well, but let me tell you something. Um,
1: I agree with you, but I see witches, you know what? I don't even want to call them witches, but I see people wanting to do this. This is a thing that people have conversations about. And yeah, it's on social media. Um, you know, I just see people asking for help on how can I do this? How can I you know, people are crazy about summoning demons. And I've come in, I've come to the point where, first of all, I don't believe in demons. I'm not a Christian. I don't believe mm-hmm. in the devil. I'm not a Christian. Okay? You can believe in those things. Um, do I believe in entities and the spirit world? Yes. Do I believe some spirits are tricksters and want to mess with you? Do I believe some spirits want to harm you? Yes. I think that's all possibility. I don't call them demons because they're not demons. Yeah. That being said, people, some people are on this kick, and I I honestly feel deep in my soul, these people need to get their material, mundane lives in order. Because it's the people whose lives are a mess. And I don't even know the majority of these people, but the people that I have encountered, just the little that I know, I'm like, you need to get your life in order. You wouldn't want to control something so badly. if You have control over your own life. You know, that's something that I feel strongly about. I also don't believe that I would want to be controlled if I was out of my body. So I definitely don't want to control something else. But I think we've always had this problem of, and, and I don't want to blame like the media for it, but what is a witch if not somebody who, you know, moves her nose like Samantha on Bewitched or, you know, the Sanderson sisters and Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo from Disney. And I think she was a Fermi Godmother. So I don't think she was a witch, but that's the same thing. You know, we have this idea that if you're a witch, then You are spending morning, noon, and night trying to control things. And then you have the rest of us who are trying to desperately, maybe not desperately, but we're trying to just come out and just show people we're just living our lives. And if anything, we're trying to help things. And that's not going to jive with the people who want power. That's not going to jive with the people who, um, again, I'll say it. I don't care. They're trying to control things because they have no control. If you have no control over your life, then you're going to look for magic. And just like we've said before, do the mundane tasks first before you get into magic. Um, I've never wanted to control somebody with magic. Like that's never, you know, and I think that's what's also surprised people. And I've had arguments with people that are like, if somebody's sick, you have to cast out the sickness. And it's like, maybe this is their time. You can't control the will. Everybody who's born has chosen how they're going to go. Unless they have some horrible, horrible accident type of thing. You know what I mean? But they've chosen how they're going to go. You can try to ease their pain. But if they're meant to go, they're going. You can't, don't try to change their will. They have a time to be born. They have a time to die. They have a time to be reincarnated. Who are you to now step in and try to change that? Yeah. Um, Which is also why I've said in the past, I never try to do a spell on a loved one when I'm upset you know, because I understand that what I'm going to ask for, or what I'm going to try to do is Mm -hmm. change what's happening. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing because you can't. But I think some witches, they feel that they want to, and we're never going to get anywhere really while we still have this distinction. And I know we've mentioned this on another podcast, you know, there's no witch Pope and there's no council, but you know what? I think the witches that are together, and I do see a lot of witches coming together that are doing such amazing things. Um, I think we have to just keep working together, and eventually, those people that want the dark, they'll just keep following themselves, and they'll just keep, you know, and they'll just fade away. They won't. In fact, a lot of them don't even call themselves witches. Yeah, you know, not the not the male witches. <laughs> those that want power, they have yeah. their own name.
0: You know. So, what does that tell you? And even if we're taking it at face value, that people really want to do this and really want to have like a positive relationship the steps that Grimasi is asking you to take are incredibly intensive. I mean, all of these different seals, all of this different ritualistic work that you have to do, that's like a lot of energy to be drawing out of your body, a lot of energy to be giving to this magical working. It feels like overkill.
1: Okay, and I'm gonna say, I think it's just right. And let me tell you why. Because of all the reasons we've already mentioned, right? all the reasons we've mentioned for people um, wanting to have a familiar and do this, you know, control and whatnot. I think that it's good that he's telling you, you need all of these seals because I think in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he's, he's thinking some of these people won't get past seal number three. Okay. And people who do get to seal 11, well, then good for you. Do I believe that you should be controlling something? That's neither here nor there. If you want to do it, You've got to do these seals. And I think that is is good because I do believe most people don't want to put the energy into it. And he says you've got to put a lot of energy into this. So if you don't want to do it, that's great. Then you don't want a familiar. I guess I think that's what he's trying to do. You know, um, I want to talk about the witch's uh, relationship with a familiar. Unless there's something else you want to mention.
0: Well, I just want to tell everybody that we're going to skip the ethics section because that's actually going to be in a later podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about the other
1: episode, which we'll we'll talk about at the end of this episode, but yeah, we're skipping ethics, but we will come back to it in another podcast. So relationship with the familiar. Okay. He says, witches, all life forms are equal. We are all one inseparably linked in the cycles of life and death. That almost seems counter what he said before. Right. I mean, if we're all equal, then why am I controlling you? Embracing the familiar, calling it once a bond has occurred and I wanted to talk about how he merges with a familiar. Okay, so people have asked me how I got my familiar and he was a pet. I did not buy him with the intention. I was drawn to him though. It was very weird how he was like with other dogs and I was just like him, that one. I want him. And he opened his eyes and looked at me and we just stared at each other. And I was like, I, that's the one. No, that's the one I want, that one okay so he was just my pet but I noticed over time first of all he definitely bonded with me um hated my husband and my husband was the one taking care of him by the way because I wasn't taking care of him really it was my husband's job like he really wanted a dog I was like no I don't want to have a dog like oh you know so it was really up to him and yet there was no bonding it never happened he was also a protector nobody could come around me which I know is bad training but People could come around me. It depended on who it was. And that's what I started to find really interesting on who he didn't want around me. Mm-hmm. Um a year after I had him, my dad passed away, and I know he saw him. So that was my first thing where I'm going, all right, there's some sort of link here. Now, I had not looked at this book, paid attention to this book. I'm trying to think. was it around? It was around by the time I had I first got my dog. But I just sat, and he would. They, he says in the book, the best way is to stare at your pet's familiar's eyes, to merge consciousness, but that a lot of animals don't like it. Dogs specifically don't like it. Okay, I can stare at my dog's eyes. We would just sit. Seriously, he was a puppy. And we would stare at each other. And I would, like, talk to him. And it was very weird. And then I would set up, the first time I set up, like, my permanent altar in this house I was like, I wonder if this is good. He never would sleep in that spot. He slept in that spot underneath the altar and he sighed. And I went, there's a good spot. Or I would have a circle going and he would be doing something else. He would come in, get in the middle, and he would just start like tapping things. And I'm like, what? And that's when I said, I said, something's going on with this dog. He loves me. He protects me. is so me. cute. And I would just start having conversations, but we would just be staring at each other. I also, if I rubbed him, like right about the nose, if I stared at him, he would eventually fall asleep. Um, And I just realized we had a connection. And that's when I started to say, all right, I want to not just have a connection with this spirit because he's got a soul. He's not a robot. He's a living thing. So how can I have this connection with him? I do not ask him to go do things. And we'll talk about how he says to train um, what I think is funny is that he says, hum a tone while petting, and it could aid in the alignment with him. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie with Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart, Bell Book and Candle. Okay, so she's a witch, and she has a cat, a black cat, pie And she would hum and, like, stroke him, and he'd brrr, and that's how she would get him to, like, do whatever it is. So when I read that, I was like, Aw. Um, I sing to my dog all the time, Um But we do have moments of what I call meditation. If I sit for meditation, he does come right into my lap. Like he knows what I'm doing and he will just like lay there. And if I'm really stressed, I will just kind of like pet him a little bit. Like, you know, um, but we've always stared at each other. I mean, he sleeps on my side of the bed. He's on the floor. Um, We wake up and sometimes that's all we do is we just stare at each other. And I'm just like talking to him. I have never... I've never made him do anything. Um, and most of the time, what I, how I do use him would be for connection to the other realm, right? I'm not sending him off on journeys. I'm not sending him off to collect information or to make somebody call me, which he mentions in the book. But if I'm going to cast a circle, if I'm going to do something of great importance, I ask because I feel like because he is a protector spirit for me, that He will make sure that if my energy is off a little bit, he will kind of calm me. He will kind of get me to that zone that I need to be in. Um, The only time, and I didn't even demand it then, we had a long conversation, he and I, looking at each other's eyes at the beginning of this pandemic. And I said, you're 15. I know we had a heart scare last year. I said, "Um, you can't leave me, dude. I said, I know that in some form you'll always be with me, but seriously, if you have nowhere else, yeah, if you have nowhere else that you have to be, I ask that you think about <laughs> yeah. staying around. Is he? I don't know. He did, he has been in great shape. The vet thinks he's in fantastic shape. Do I think it's because we had a conversation? I don't know, right? But we did have a conversation and he was staring at me. I mean, we definitely connected. I don't know if he's sticking around for me. I don't know at what point his heart is just going to say like, okay, I tried, but that's it. I am not forcing the spirit to stick around after he goes. Right. Um, He was here. I love him to death. And if he needs to go, then I will release him. And I've told you, um, actually cancer heard it. She wanted me to read it to her. Um, I wrote something for when he goes simply because I know I am not going to be capable of writing this thing. So I have it on my phone. I even have it printed out. Like I'm ready if I have to say goodbye. And it is to release him. He is to come back whenever he wants, if he wants, you know? And it's not releasing because I've bound him to me. It's just releasing knowing that we have this great bond. But if he's got to go, he's got to go. Right. Um, that's his spirit and he's free to decide what he's yeah. going to do. Do I hope he sticks around with me in some form or another? Yeah. I think I'll know if he has. And if he hasn't, that's cool too. You know, we had this, this bond and we had this moment here. And I think you're right. I think that's, that's a modern witch's thing. Um, and it's probably not what witches want to, not all witches, but what some witches that want power want to hear, you know, of how we use our familiars. So I don't know. Yes.
0: So knowing what we know now about your relationship with your familiar, I have kind of a a tough question, but I think an important question, especially based on the way Grimasi writes about the concept of familiars. What is the difference between a spirit guide and a familiar? So I
1: see, okay, that's kind of hard. I like that you asked that because it's like, hmm. So for me, a guide kind of knows more, is more advanced in a sense, right? I'm not saying they know more as far as they can predict the future. I mean like like what's the difference between a first year teacher and a teacher who's been around for 10 years. Right? You're a mentor to somebody. It doesn't mean you're a better teacher. It just means you know some things, right? Because I think whenever I've had a student teacher, I've learned so much from them, you know? Um so it's not about that, but it's about somebody who can guide you. A familiar can guide you but they can guide you the way a friend can guide you. In other words, you're kind of like the same, right? You know, he has a different take on things because he's a dog. And like, I like one part that he says, you know, when you're talking about animals like a dog, they don't see in words, like they can't think. So you really, you want to transmit fit photos to them, pictures, and they should transmit images to you. And I definitely totally get that from him. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that kind of thing. But even though we're different, know, he can protect me, I can protect him. It's kind of like this partnership, you know, you're just friends, a spirit guide is going to be able to that guide you. And that's how
0: I see the difference. You know, I agree with that. I think that's very similar Mm -hmm. to the way that I was thinking about it. The reason I ask is because the way that Gramasi describes a familiar, especially after doing the journey quest, is like this idea that you can Your familiar can be like the collective soul of all of the otters in the world. And I don't think personally that a familiar can do that. I I see a familiar, like you said, more of like a friend, more of like a personal um, relationship between you and a spirit. And I don't think, I think it takes like a lot of ego to be like, oh yeah, my familiar is every raven you know, and I think that's also kind of why I wanted to point out this idea that like a totem is not a thing in the traditional witchcraft practice and, and specifically in the craft that Grimassi is is referencing, which tends to be British or European traditional witchcraft. Like that totem animal is not a familiar, that's not really the right vibe. That power animal is more of a spirit guide. It's more of a collective consciousness, more of something that can lead you down a path or in a direction where a familiar might walk beside you.
1: Mm. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that we can talk about maybe at a different podcast is, you know, witchcraft on the ego. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm always wary of a witch that says to me, I read all these books, I know everything. That's good for you. I, I barely know what I'm talking about. So good for you. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even get my dog to just sit for one podcast. Where are you going, dude? He's leaving. I think he's disgusted with the podcast.
0: (laughs) No, he's like, she said all she needed to say. I don't even know what I was saying now. No, but I think that we did the
1: podcast because we know nothing, which is why we're reading and discussing. I think one of the best things you can do is to reach out to somebody. um, Who's your equal? Not a teacher. Because I feel like when it comes to witchcraft and you have a teacher, you're really supposed to be listening to what they say and, you know, their thoughts are your thoughts. And that's it. And I think when you talk about witchcraft with an equal, it's more you get to, you know, really listen to somebody else, especially if they're not of your tradition. Really dissect something so that you can sit back and go, I never saw it that way. And then you have to sit with yourself and decide, do I do I think they're right? Do I think they have a point? Is there something that I should change? You know, not in a bad way, not in an insecure way, right? But in a way of we don't have all the answers. So it's good to listen to each other and see if like somehow, I don't know, we can kind of move along and, and get a bigger perspective, a, a better understanding on things. What else with this book?
0: I don't really know. Um, I kind of hated it. <laughs> you know, I just don't think it aligned with what I do. And I don't think that I... Really resonated with it. See, here's the thing. I don't hate this book. I really don't hate this book. Um, And I'll tell you why. I
1: think that he's got... Again, we mentioned this earlier. This is not for a beginning witch. I think you will get confused. But I think if you already have your practice and you already know who you are, I do think that something here will gravitate to you. You know what I mean? Like, when I read this about how to connect with the familiar and, and all that. And I thought, wow, I did a lot of these things. And then there are some things that I didn't do. Would I do them again? I think if I ever met uh, another being that I thought I would want to bond with, I think I would try some of the things that he did. Not the seals. I'm talking about the, you know, the connection with the animals. So I I do think that there is, I, I do think people should read this if they're interested in familiars. But again, this is not for the beginner. Um, this is definitely not for somebody who isn't Sure if they want one or not. I think you have to know you want one. I think, I don't know. I just think it's a good idea. He talks about plant familiars, which and is it's cool. a whole bunch of different types of familiars. Yeah. Yeah. But of course he does talk about a poison garden. Um, and what worries me about poison gardens is if you also have pets, if you have kids, yeah. some of these things you can't really smell yourself as a full grown adult. So I think, You need to have more of an understanding of herbalism before you even start with poison uh, gardens. So is there anything else you want to talk about here? I mean, he talks about different animals, associations for familiars, names for familiars, um, you know, the witch's alphabet. He actually has Theban back there. He talks about, I mean, really, the index has a lot of stuff you can look at. I don't hate this book. I just think, like a lot of things in witchcraft... Familiar is something that's been Hollywood, right? It's been Hollywood. It's been, you know, Sabrina has Salem and, you know, whoever has whoever. And, you know, everybody's got a familiar. It's usually a black cat. And, you know, you send them off to do these awful deeds and the demon is in there or whatnot, you know. So I think there's been a lot of talk about familiars without really thinking about what are you doing. And even if you just want to have a bond with spirit, why? And respect that bond and respect that spirit. You know, go back to what he said in the very beginning. Witches realize that we're all equal. So if that's the case, why do you feel this need to control something? And I I really think for witches that might be listening to this, I think, you know, think about it. What is going on that you really feel you need to control another spirit? Because I think I think we should all be free. I think we should all have free will.
0: Yeah. I think it's an interesting book if you look at it as a history book, Um, right? Like, this is what was suggested previously. It is so, so completely counter to the manner in which I conceptualize and utilize familiars in my practice that it certainly is not a book that is useful to me, Um, but I won't begrudge anyone that does find it useful. It's just, you know, it's not my vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So...
1: What's the next book?
0: I have two books
1: here, and I don't know which is the one that we're doing next next time. So, so the next
0: podcast
1: ah yes is
0: about hexing. Well, we're gonna call
1: it "And Ye Harm None" from the Wiccan Read because it's something that we have talked about. Um, we've never talked about it on Witchspace. Space. I don't mean the podcast. I mean like us. We've never talked about.
0: We've like danced around the topic repeatedly, but never actually sat down and had a conversation where we were like, this is the reality of the situation. This is what we think. This is how we work.
1: I've decided that the next time that I'm in charge, it's going to be all about hexing. Because I I want to know what people think. You know, I like that you said we dance around the issue because I think that that's something that witches do. I almost feel like, I don't think that's the only thing, but I almost feel like we kind of judge people like, do you hex or do you don't hex? Like, we're not judging, but we put them in little boxes. Okay, you're loving light, cool kind of thing, but you're, you know, whatever. It's like, we just have these conceptions of people. So, because you and I have not danced around the issue, but we we feel like, well, we want to talk about it, but it's not appropriate to the podcast. We've decided we're going to do it. Yes. We're just going to talk about hexing. I'm really excited. Yeah. So that's going to be the next podcast. And the next book, I guess we'll talk about, like I said, there's two books, but I don't know which order we're supposed to be doing. The next book, the book after this is a fairy book. Oh, it's the fairy book. And then the casting of spells will be after that. Okay. 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 All right. So we're going to do, um, and we'll post that. We'll talk about it more at the end of the next podcast. So everybody wants to get a copy of it can get a copy of it. And
0: yeah, I'm psyched. So this was good. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) do I enjoy Reading books that I don't like, no. But do I enjoy talking about books that I don't like? Yes, big fan.
1: I like talking, well, here's the thing. When it comes to Wicca, because we're not like other religions or practices or however you want to call us, right? There's no book that we have to bow down to. There's no book that we have to say, oh, so-and-so wrote this, so it's wonderful. Like I said, I like it. I see it's faults. I definitely, we talked about them, so I don't have to say them again, but, you know, there's definitely got a lot of faults. But I guess it's because I respect the man who wrote it that I'm like, okay, I see where he's coming from. I see what Mm -hmm. I don't agree with. I'm totally okay with what I don't agree with. I'm going to take what I like. I'm going to discard what I don't like, and I'm just going to keep going, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the important thing about these books, and that's what I like about reading these books, is that, you know, we could hate the entire thing, but you can still take something from it, Yeah. you know? You can learn something, like you said, whether it's the time and place it was written, right? Or who wrote it, or what they were influenced by, or all that stuff. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was good. Thank you so much to Sean McShane for our intro-outro music, to our amazing audience for giving us the opportunity to have conversations like this.
1: And also, I want to say... Um, we love responding to everybody on Instagram and on, you know, our Gmail. But if we haven't responded to you, like reach out again, because I feel like sometimes we get a lot of things and we we have getting
0: more and more messages. Yeah. So just follow up if we haven't responded yet, because it's a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're not ignoring anybody or any request or any question. So please hit us up again. And just say, guys, this is the second time like, you think you can get to me today? And then like, you know, we'll do it because we definitely want to get to everybody. And I do things as as we read through stuff, I think we may like forget because I know I forget sometimes to even like, I think I've messaged somebody sometimes and I haven't. And I'm like, I had a whole conversation in my head.
0: Like what A lot of times I read a message and I go, oh, I need to ask Scorpio about that. And then in between having read the message and realizing that and the texting you is like a week and a half (laughs) because my brain is just like not the adhd it doesn't work um so yeah. yeah just keep like if 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 we don't respond it's not because we are terrible people it's because we're very scattered busy. people <laughs> all the time <laughs> busy and
1: scattered people and we're yeah. back at work so it's there's a lot to keep up with but we yeah. want to keep up with everybody so please you know reach out to us again and remember if you're following the moons you're following us